Are you tired of playing the same old games over and over again? Are you looking to spice up your game night with creative new ideas? Look no further because we're here to add some excitement back into your game night. We'll even show you how to take your love of games outside the confines of the living room. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everybody! In this episode, we're taking a look at board games where the board is anything but flat cardboard. For Shelfie, we look at a new expansion to rival restaurants, Back for Seconds, and pay another visit to Miss Jezebel in our escape room report with Orion's Revenge. And of course, talk about our Friday favorites. Yes. <laughs> I thought for a second you're going to say boards are anything but boring. You know? <laughs> well, we never talk about boring board games. I, I could. That would that'd actually be a fun spinoff thing. Just bad board games. You know? <laughs> no, like, there's plenty of them too. Right? But just like, oh, this one's so boring. Why'd you play it? So I could talk about how bad it is. It's like bad <laughs> movies. Yeah. Right? How you... I would love to watch them just to talk about how crappy they are. I kind of got on a kick for that a while ago. Remember when Villainous was coming out? And mm-hmm. I was like, I love this game, but it's so bad. Like, <laughs> but like, they've kind of counteracted some of it and redeemed themselves with some of the expansions that they did. Mm-hmm. You know, and like how creative the um, the limited system they have is and how they've expanded from there, you know? Yeah, I mean, we always say too that sometimes the worst escape rooms we go to are the most fun to talk about mm-hmm. because we break them all apart. Well, to quote Fraser, the only thing better than a perfect meal is a perfect meal with one flaw we can pick apart all evening. <laughs> so Lauren, uh, what are you going to be bringing to game night this month? I am bringing uh, Kickstarters to game night this month. Oh. So, um, you know, when you when you get a Kickstarter, you never really know when you're actually going to get the end product, right? You are investing in the idea of the product, usually. It right. kind of depends. You know, they can be in different development stages. Or, you know, sometimes big companies do a Kickstarter and you know, well, th- this is already going to happen. So, right. you know. Um, but we just happened to have two of the Kickstarters that I had backed um, come up this past month in January, both of them delivered almost within the same week. It was crazy. Yeah. And so we got the um, expansion to Rival Restaurants back for seconds, which we've been greatly anticipating. Oh, yeah. Um, and I we're going to we're gonna talk about it more later in the episode, too. We even got a chance to talk to the creators a bit at mm-hmm. the um, Dice Tower. Was it 2020 or 2019? Uh, yes, because, yeah, 2020 we got to. I, I forgot which one it was, but we got yeah, to talk well, to them. And we were like, we're so looking forward to your second one. They yeah. They got to give us a little peek at like, oh, yeah, this could be a Greek restaurant. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> yeah, so we, um, originally we met the creators at the um, tw- uh, 2019 Dice Tower West. And at that time, um, it, Rival Restaurants, the game, had already been um, kickstarted. And we, we kind of missed the kickstart. Mm-hmm. And so I remember getting really excited about the game. And we were actually planning to buy it at the 2020 and just happened to see it before we even went at a local game store. Um, so we bought it ahead of time before we went to the convention. That's right. Didn't then, we buy it New Year's Day? Because we just happened to see it. Yeah. And like, we're like, let's just get it. Yeah, that's exactly. It, you know? And then... Um, we um we we saw them and we got to hear more about the Kickstarter at the twenty twenty one and so we were we were ready when that came out yeah um so yeah so we finally got that and then another one which we actually kickstarted a while ago which also has a dice tower connection is uh, Dinos Not Assembled um this was a game that we played at the very first Dice Tower West mm-hmm. convention. Um, it's by a uh, Thing Twelve Games and we actually played a demo at the time before you know that it was hit the um creator's demo copy 
Um, it hadn't been kickstarted yet. He was still, you know, play testing it and mm-hmm. working out stuff. And so we decided when it did come up for Kickstarter that we would back it because mainly it, it's a fun game. It has dinosaurs, which you love dinosaurs. Um, but also it's kind of a kid's game and we don't have a lot of kid's games. And so we wanted things for if our friends have kids or if our nephews and nieces come over that we would have something that we could play with them. Let's face it. I like playing kid's games too. <laughs> I will still be down for shoots and ladders or Candyland because it's fun to like use my fully developed adult imagination and really get into it you know <laughs> get the backstories you know? yeah so we got both of those delivered so that is what i'm bringing to mm-hmm. and they're very fun game night what i'm bringing to game night is actually something that i think you got me for christmas but i've kind of become obsessed with mm-hmm. and it's this high quality deck of playing cards just your basic like ace through king mm-hmm. kind of playing cards by this company called theory 11 cards um the uh, the website is store.theory11 and it's just spelled out 11 so mm-hmm. theory11.com they are like super premium playing cards and there's different themes like you can get a star wars themed one so like the king is darth vader mm-hmm. you know or like even mandalorian ones there's they're usually James they're Bond usually one. like foiled and stuff yeah um but the one you got me which is really cool is the neil patrick harris one which actually has a puzzle that comes with it I can't spoil the puzzle. It's too fun. But I will tell you this. When you open the playing cards, if you get it, the order of the cards doesn't matter. I thought at first, like, oh, I noticed that like it goes like ace through king for the first two decks. And then one of the suits, like the clubs was like backwards. Is that No, that doesn't matter. <laughs> the, it will be clear which card or cards have the puzzle components the rest of the cards in there are just playing cards that are really high quality Mm -hmm. you know they have a good like feel to them and everything and just i mean sometimes it's good to just get back to the old school of just you know uh like uh gin remy Mm -hmm. you know or poker or something with some friends you know so if the average uh price for these decks is about ten dollars which like i know that sounds like a lot considering that most decks at like a grocery store cost like two ninety nine or something mm-hmm. but these are like beautifully done like i said the quality is better than you can get at the grocery uh-huh. store and it's kind of like an impressive thing just to look at yeah know? if you want like an actual deck of playing cards to really use or to take somewhere these are the ones you want you don't want to show up with your two dollar ones you want to show up with these really cool ones <laughs> yeah 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 they're they're really really nice and i've even been thinking about getting that to friends mm-hmm. um as like uh, birthday gifts throughout this year, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool. So for this uh, month's episode, one of the things we wanted to talk about is um, board games that aren't just your typical, um, you know, rectangle piece of cardboard, right? Mm -hmm. It used to be, you know, there was the Monopoly game board. There was the Clue game board. And you always had approximately the same size they were flat. They always, you know, looked exactly the same kind of Typically thing. had one fold and half. Yeah. Sometimes if it was extra fancy, you'd have two folds, so mm-hmm. folds to the quarters. But besides that, yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that surprises people nowadays, if they if they aren't as into board games as pe- individuals like us are, is the, the wide variety of where we've taken that idea of a board game or a player area and elevated it mm-hmm. and changed it and um, are really creative with it. So, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, games that maybe they have moving pieces, so the board changes. 
um, or perhaps they um, use 3D elements mm-hmm. um, where it's you know raised up. Maybe you have multiple le- levels of card play. Or we have ones even that maybe the board changes every game. Maybe the board is made up of individual tiles that can change depending on the when you're playing the game. Yeah, or some I have on my list is one where the perspective you have on the board physically around the table matters. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, let's go and get into that list. Yeah, and we kind of came up with this idea because some friends introduced us to actually another Neil Patrick Harris game, mm-hmm. um, which was called... I think it's called Amazed. Amazed, yeah. And in that, it kind of, the board is a little bit more um, paper mm-hmm. and it folds all sorts of different ways. So you always have kind of a different path way that can be created so that you're never kind of playing the same, um, the same game sort of. Right. And like that one, the game, the basic game mechanics are pretty simple. Mm -hmm. It's roll to move. You have an egg timer. That's like a minute long. And in that minute, maybe two minutes at most, you can make as many moves as you want. But after each move, you have to answer a riddle. Or like a puzzle of some kind. And depending upon what color space you land on depends upon how hard the riddle uh-huh. or the puzzle is. Yeah. So And there's different routes to take. So yeah, and you can choose which route you want to take. One route might be faster, but it's all red, so it's all the hardest questions. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other route, it may be a longer route, but they're all easier questions. Right. And the puzzles pretty much come in three different types. Mm-hmm. One's a basic riddle, like, you know, oh, um, a man and his father were in a car accident. They went to the hospital. The doctor says, I can't operate on this uh, on this person. It's my son. How is this possible? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's because the mom's the, you the know, doctor, surgeon. Yeah, yeah it's, one of, it's like those. It is, um, I think they're called autobuses or omnibuses where it's like a picture. And mm-hmm. like if you kind of think about what the picture says, like it'll be like a picture of two bees and then a picture of two Bs with the Ghostbusters no symbol. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, that's 2B or not 2B. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like you have to figure out what is this picture uh-huh. literally saying. But the hardest one is the what I call the Wheel of Fortune puzzles. <laughs> yeah. Where essentially it's a common phrase and you only get the vowels. Mm-hmm. And then you have to try to figure out what it says. Yeah. And it, it'll be like really common phrases like... Um... Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, exactly. Things like that. But but in those contexts, it's kind of hard to be like, what could this yeah, be? Yeah, imagine <laughs> just seeing something like that, but only the vowels, and you're under the time pressure of like two minutes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ah, I can. <laughs> so I, I wish there's a bit more variety mm-hmm. to the puzzles, but at the same time, I can't offer up what those would be. Yeah. You know? But the, the, the thing that got us was how the board can change and stuff. And so that's what kind of got us thinking about this topic because mm-hmm. there's, there's lots of games out there that are, that are like this. And then also, like I said, that, um, you know, they're, they're just not a typical board game, even though they might play like a board game. Mm-hmm. So let's start with um, maybe talking about like some games where the board actually moves and, and changes. So the first one I think of when we think of that is a game that we have called On Her Majesty's Service, mm-hmm. where there's actual moving gears on the board that changes it. So you might be heading towards one direction and that will then move and then you, you can't get your ultimate goal. Essentially, Yeah, it, it's based upon the world of Smog, which mm-hmm. is a steampunky fantasy kind of thing. You know, so it's like uh, Victoria... Uh, England, steampunk, but also like fairy world is opened up, you know, so you have all those kind of fantasies Uh combining together. And what's cool is that, yeah, it's like you're in giant gears moving around and you have to go collect these like different humors. But like, 
certain gears have like barriers on them that you Mm -hmm. can't cross in a certain way. So like you can be planning to go jump to this next gear, but before your turn gets there, it'll turn so it blocks you. Yeah, and so then your pathway is now obscured. And then also on all the gears, they have different numbers for how much the thing would cost there Mm -hmm. and what type of thing is there. You know, so like you might need blood or you might need ether depending upon what colors are there. But it all depends upon which way the gear is facing you for what's available and how much it costs. So you can also really get like super lucky or super behind the eight ball, so to speak, mm-hmm. depending upon how other people's turns were and if their turn affected just that one gear or if it affected all the gears. Yeah. So it's almost like the best way I can describe this is that scene from The Great Mouse Detective where he's fighting Radigan in Big Ben and there's like the giant gears and they're always having to watch, oh, watch out for that gear. Oh, they're uh-huh. the pendulum swinging, you know. It's, it's kind of like that where you have to not only come up with your own battle plan, but also be mindful of everything else that's going on around you because things can change like that. Mm -hmm. And you will be like, oh my gosh, now I'm in trouble. I I can't do this. I only had $3, but now it's like four or five to buy this stupid thing because Lauren decided to pull the lever in the middle and move everything Mm -hmm. one one quarter turn. Yeah. Another game that's kind of similar that I think... um, True board gamers will probably be familiar with is called um, Tzolkin, mm-hmm. the Mayan calendar, and that's kind of the same principle. It's um, kind of a large central gear that moves smaller gears that are impacting the board as well. Yeah. Um, but same idea where the, these pieces are moving and the board is changing right before your eyes, which is not something I ever would have thought of back in my days of playing Monopoly as a kid. I mean, when I was a kid, I did have this one great board game called The Grape Escape, uh-huh. where it's kind of like you build this little machine and then after each turn you crank the lever and then all the different traps kind of go off. Mm-hmm. But like that wasn't really changing the board. It's just like certain spots became hazard zones. Uh-huh. But like, yeah, I, I can see how someone would might have taken that like, oh, if you have a gear that's turning, what if we translate that onto like... Onto a board, and yeah. And then that changes actually where you can or cannot go. Uh-huh. So I, I, I can see how that naturally came about. But yeah, as a kid, if you asked me to come up with something like that, yeah exactly i don't think that would have been in my my mind at all so they're pretty fantastic i think the idea of that i hope more ideas come out like that Mm -hmm. it's just right now with my mindset i'm only thinking about just like gears and time but i wonder what other versions you could have for that yeah like maybe like a buzzsaw and a lumber mill i don't know (laughs) you know like what else spins a turn yeah yeah well we did whirlpools and it's like a pirate yeah yeah and we did see actually um, an interesting game. I believe it was called Niagara, where it's like things floating down a river and they eventually yeah. fall off the edge. Um, so I thought that was interesting. The game itself didn't really appeal to me, but like I thought that mechanic idea of these things floating down a river and, and eventually board, going a part off. of the board itself actually hangs off the table. So yeah, that way so it that it falls that. off. Yeah, yeah. I, I did like that. That was mm-hmm. cool. Um, one thing I kind of liked is the idea of perspective of Mm -hmm. the board and like how that can change things. So one that I talked about uh, like a year ago or so is called photosynthesis. Mm -hmm. And that's where you have a bunch of trees in the forest and you're trying to grow them. And why perspective matters is because you have like small, medium, and big trees. And depending upon how tall these trees are depends on how big of a shadow they cast. So small tree only casts a shadow one square, medium Uh two, large three. And so if you're in the shadow of a tree, you're not going to get any sunlight. And so like they have like this kind of like almost like a Mm Pac-Man kind of like sun disc thing that goes around the board every turn. And that tells you, okay, the new perspective is from this angle. 
from what we would consider two o'clock. Uh-huh. Next next turn it's going to be from three o'clock. Next turn it's going to be from four o'clock. Hmm. So you have to play the game not only of like where do I put my tree to like make sure I get sunlight coming up, but also where do I think it's going to be good to have mm-hmm. sunlight further on, and am I going to be blocking my own trees? as well as your trees are our friends' trees, you know, mm-hmm. because, of course, I want to block you. I don't want you to get sunlight, but I don't want to block myself, too. Yeah. So you have to really kind of strategize about, like, visualize the board from all angles as you rotate the sun around mm-hmm. to be, like, what would be the maximum place I can put this tree to get sunlight on most of the turns, based, and also considering where my other people put stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting to think about, you know, how over time what was a great placement three turns ago now is like the worst because you're just surrounded by these taller trees, you know? Uh, Another one that um, is an interesting concept that I really liked was called Shadows in the Forest. And this one is also cool because it's meant to be played in the dark. You're supposed to uh, turn off all the lights, have a dark room, and then there's like this little like camping lantern Uh on the table. And that's one player's token. And what they do is they move it around this like kind of stone tile path and they are trying to find these little like hidden like forest spirits mm-hmm. in the tree. So it's almost like hide and seek, like flashlight tag hide and seek. And so what what will happen is the other players will then move their pieces around when the camper player has their eyes closed. You know, so like they're not getting used to the dark, uh-huh. they're not seeing them moving their things. But then they can only go, like, they're essentially, yeah, it's like hide-and-go-seek in the dark. You mm-hmm. know, like, where are you? Where are you? But I think that's so fascinating, that light and shadows. Mm-hmm. And, like, the perspective of, like, I can only see things when they're in the light, but the other players can see these things at all times. So they they're, they let their eyes uh-huh. adjust to the dark here. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I think shadows, it kind of, this is a segue a little bit to another game that kind of uses more of, like, um, a 3D element, mm-hmm. but also kind of similar to this. Um, which was uh, Necrophobia, which is a game we got, and then I think we ended up getting rid of it because we we weren't quite fans of it. Um, but in that game, you have kind of like a 3D maze yeah. that you're trying to walk um, someone who can't see. You're trying to like point their finger through it, mm-hmm. sort of. Yeah, because that's all about tactile yeah. exploration mm-hmm. for most of the players. If they give you like these blind blackout sunglasses to wear yeah but the problem that we found for that is that our group got bored waiting for their turn exactly yeah so it was kind of it's a good game and i love the concept it just wasn't for our group Uh uh-huh but that doesn't mean it's not a great game yeah i just i think maybe shadows there there's a similar element to that but i think it's maybe it's it's more involved with everybody so one person's not getting people aren't getting bored in between Mm -hmm. and some of my favorite memories as a kid on like summer nights doing sleepovers with friends was playing things like hide and go seek in the dark uh-huh. so kind of it's like reminiscent of that too yeah you know? another kind of design choice i like for board games nowadays and this is kind of stretching the limit a little bit but it's tile placing board games mm-hmm. where like you build the board as you go yeah you know so it's never going to be the same twice mm-hmm. uh one that uh i know of that i have from my personal library but i just haven't had a chance to play in a while it's called zombies with like a whole bunch of exclamation points at the end uh-huh. and that one is cool because you all have the same objective of we're survivors trying to get to the helicopter but you have to like lay the tiles out and try to like discover the city like you know where's the helicopter it's not this tile so you have to put it down and make the roads work but what's awesome about it is as you keep playing you can go down this path thinking like oh man the helicopter's got to be right around the corner here 
but it'll dead end all of a sudden. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so you have to backtrack all the way around. Yeah. And it's, it's very much like a zombie movie where like there's risks, like there's health in that building, but mm-hmm. there's also tons of zombies. Do I risk that? You know? Yeah. Well, and, and the whole thing with that one is it's different every time you play because mm-hmm. it all depends on which tiles come out. It's kind of like Betrayal and House on the Hill where you have all the, the different tiles for the ground floor, the top floor, the basement. Mm-hmm. And each time it all depends on what tiles are coming out. So the house is very ever, you know, I mean, yes, technically the house could come out the same way as it did a previous game, but highly unlikely, highly unlikely that that will happen. So you never quite know. Like last time I played it, the, uh, this room, the chapel was right down here, but this time it's, it's not going to be there, you know? So like, that's another uh, example sort of of how you sort of build the game board as you're going along. Right. And I think that's interesting. It gives it so much more replayability. Yeah. You know, because with your basic board game, like Ticket to Ride, let's Mm -hmm. say, for the US map, I've already figured out what the optimum route is Mm -hmm. from New York to Los Angeles that then also like maximizes the number of possible tickets you can pull. Yeah. So if I go to pull tickets, once I make that route, that long route, then I can be like, okay, well, I'm only going to be one or two off from most destinations. Mm -hmm. You know, but here, there's no way you can plan ahead like that. You can't optimize your gameplay because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I think um, what's interesting in some cases is there's there's so many of these games, too, where they could have just been regular boards, you know? Like, one is, um, like, Cult Express, right? Mm-hmm. It's a train game where you're essentially robbing this train. This could easily just be your standard board. Or... Yeah, with the lower compartments on the bottom half, the upper compartments. Yeah, on the exactly. Half. But instead, it's an actual 3D little train that you can move your little meeples from the bottom cart to the top cart mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, they didn't have to do it that way, but it makes it so much more interesting it and really does, fun yeah. because it is just this little um, actual cardboard train, you know, that's 3D. And it's fun to play with things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, another one they, they did technically that they didn't have to do like that is that potion explosion that you have. Yeah. It doesn't have to be marbles rolling down a hill. That could have been a board with little cardboard tokens. Mm-hmm. And you just pull a token from a bag and lay that on the next track. Okay, the next one coming up is a yellow one. The next one coming up yeah. is a red one. But instead, they actually have the marbles so you get that satisfying clink mm-hmm. when the marbles collide together. And then it just keeps going like that. And then it lets you randomize more and have the marbles automatically fill the slots out as they go you know it's it's a lot of fun and it's enjoyable just even playing with the marbles you know? mm-hmm. yeah and how cool that little slider is you yeah. know it's it's such a simple idea all it is is this little cardboard thing with um shoots mm-hmm. and it's on an angle that's it <laughs> yeah and i love also that they designed the box that you can build it once and then just keep it and then it just stays that way it doesn't yeah. have to be disassembled same with um Cult Express. They have a design so like all the little cars fit in these little yeah, slots. Yeah, so you just have to so put they're not the gonna get ones. messed up, you know. And yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I want to talk about for this is like how even a basic board can still be revolutionary, mm-hmm. and that's Time Stories. Yeah. Where Time Stories, it's this really great game that comes with a deck of cards that tells you an adventure of you time traveling and trying to solve some kind of. Um, meddling in the timeline mm-hmm. but what's great is that they come out with other adventures that just give you a new de- deck of cards but every single one which is designed by a different game master mm-hmm. still fits the board yeah the board is sort of like the framework that you put then all the cards into mm-hmm. to make the new game but yeah there's these you know special slots for each scene and like it always no matter what new game you're playing the board can just it just adapts to that so i love that like you know in in the very first one, they have like these different tokens that you have, like brown, yellow, blue, and uh, gold tokens, mm-hmm. you know. And we like didn't use the brown ones because the first one doesn't really call for those. 
but in the second or third game, oh, you still a lot. And so, like, yeah. And it's all universal symbols, mm-hmm. but they're all recognizable. So and like, they, they mean something different in each yeah. game. So, like, while the yellow symbols in, in the first game might mean money, in the second game, they can mean, like, stacks of cocaine that you're helping to smuggle out. Or yeah, they, or, or they can food. Mean or, food yeah, yeah. or something, you know. So it, it's insane how flexible that board game mm-hmm. is. How it's not just that's the gumdrop forest and that's all there is to it, like Candyland. You know, yeah. like you can't interpret that as anything else mm-hmm. but the gumdrop forest. But here, you know, uh, this symbol of like three pink dots and like a blue dot could be anything. It just depends upon like how the main writer decided to interpret that in and how it fits into their frame mm-hmm. of their narrative of their world yeah so even that is fascinating and how they kind of set up this board to be like a universal mechanic yeah yeah and it's the way it's done because it's very if you look at it it's just sort of this white board it's very nondescript which is a but, lot of placeholders like you can put this type of card here yeah card exactly there. but then what it does is it, it's kind of this perfect blank backdrop for these cards that are always very different like they mm. have a different artist do them each time so they're all in a different style but they're very highly detailed and beautiful in a way so it kind of lets those shine right and the board is just like i said that framework to put it all together and people mm-hmm. are like, yeah, here's one about zombies. Yeah, here's one about a D&D fantasy. Yeah, here's one about ancient Egypt. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How can those three different things all fit onto the one same board? They can. Mm-hmm. And so that's why even if it is just a basic cardboard with one or two folds in it, uh-huh. can still be revolutionary. It's yeah. not the same European map every time. It's mm-hmm. not the same, you know, like roll and move mansion every time. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, special special mention to, um, obviously, legacy games, which mm-hmm. a lot of times the idea is you are changing the board for good. And you're, you know, you're in, say, pandemic, your cities are getting destroyed, routes are getting destroyed, things like that are happening. Or, you know, we've just finished up um, the... Um, Clank Legacy. Clank Legacy, where you're actually adding like different sections to the board. There's huge stickers that you add that yeah. create new areas and paths and things. It was crazy because without spoiling too much for that, uh-huh. uh, the Clank board, like how all the Clank boards are, are double-sided. Mm-hmm. But both sides, like when you first start it, like the bottom half of the it's board blank. is <laughs> blank. There's nothing there. Yeah, which is really weird when you were starting because you're like, well, where are we supposed to right. go? But now that we've gone through it and we've pretty much finished it, it is so populated with not only like filling out the rest of those paths, uh-huh. but the initial parts, we've like put stickers on this and like every time you go here, this happens. Every time you go there, yeah. oh, that's not a thing anymore. We burn that to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it fundamentally changes. Um, and what's cool about, obviously, with Clank Legacy is that that then turns into just a typical Clank game, but you have this kind of cool board that you've made all these changes to. Right. But um, other ones like Pandemic Legacy. It's a like, once you're you, done with it, you're done you with it. You cannot keep playing that once you're done because yeah. without any spoilers, near the end of that game the season season one at least we mm-hmm. have not touched season two or season zero yet. no one of our friends has i think zero season zero yeah. but like for season one without any massive spoilers um near the end of it something happens that makes you essentially just start like ruining everything that you've already mm-hmm. built like, yeah well let's mention you destroy cards you destroy like trying to replay it would be insane you know and i mean there's kind of a reason like there's 12 there's 12 months the chances that you're going to survive every month perfectly and not have to replay them are unlikely i, I actually remember 
seriously doing table talk, going like, guys, we should throw this month because then we get another go. And we can make it easier, yeah. Because as you keep winning, the game gets harder. Mm -hmm. So, like, let's let's purposely throw this month and then, like, we'll make it easier for ourselves. So, like, yeah, maybe it affected our massive score at the end. But, like, (laughs) whatever, man. Were we the heroes? Were we the villains? We'll let history decide. (laughs) Um, But that's just some uh, some ideas we had or some games we wanted to mention that use kind of these creative use of what we would typically think of as a game board or play area. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't want to say game board necessarily because some of them don't have a board. Um, But yeah, they're ones where the play area is changing or it's 3D and and it's becoming more and more common. I know at Dice Tower, we saw a ton of games that they're like multi-levels going up. Yeah, I forget what their names were, so I couldn't find them as easily. Yeah, there's ones where like you literally like have cardboard stacks of like buildings with different floors. Yeah. Depending on what floor you get put on depends upon like what thing you can do with what. I I do like the idea of three dimensions Mm -hmm. going into there. I just think that you need to make sure that it's more accessible to people in terms of like how easy it is to understand and to well, yeah. I mean, like Warhammer, that's kind of an extreme, right? But like Cult Express, I'm on the roof or I'm in the train car. Yeah, that's pretty simple. Pretty simple. And also, like that's a mechanic and a trope that people have seen in countless action films. Mm -hmm. So like they get that, you know. But yeah, but when you have a five story building made out of cardboard that might you know it might get kind of confusing as to where am i how did i get here die hard the board game yeah how do i move (laughs) okay well i think we've talked that to death and it is time to get into our shelfie right So for our shelfie this month, we are doing one that you've already talked about, Rival Restaurants Back for Seconds. <laughs> we we are big fans of Rival Restaurants, so we were really looking forward to this expansion, and it did not disappoint in terms of its cuteness and its puns. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, <laughs> though there was one thing that I kind of was like, mm, it feels like you guys might have phoned that in just a little bit, and that was with the name of the Indian cook. Her uh-huh. name is like... Her name oh, is essentially it's Kelly Kapoor. It's essentially Kelly Kapoor from The Office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this one, this expansion, not only does it add new restaurants and new recipes, as you might expect, no new ingredients, just new recipes and new um, new chefs and restaurants. Um, there's also a new kind of um, event deck. event deck. Yes, that um, creates these little like different things that happen during the day that will impact everybody playing. Mm -hmm. So it could be, you know, everybody has to go through this round perfectly silent. Or um, if you finish cooking something on this day, you get an extra point. Or, you know, it can be good things. It can be bad things. It it all kind of depends. Yeah. I, what's also interesting about that is that how it works, how it's a two day cycle Mm -hmm. for that, how the first day everyone knows what's going to come. You know, so you can prepare like, okay, next round is the one I got to be, be ready to cook. Yeah. Because I'll get that extra point, you know, mm-hmm. or next round I'm going to get paid t- double as much. So maybe if I can get that upgrade now, I'll get more money, you know. And then the next day, day two, is the day the thing is actually in effect. Mm-hmm. So it, it's fascinating on how that works. I just wish that more of those were more restrictive or punishing for player activities rather than rewarding just because I think that's more fun. Like there's this one that says like politeness where there's no pointing 
or no elbows on the table. Mm-hmm. And depending on what catches you, you have to pay $200 to the bank. I think that's more fun to like, <laughs> you know, alter player interaction, you know, mm-hmm. rather than there was this one that's like some, it was some kind of like Marvel uh, Infinity Wars, like the snap card or something mm-hmm. where it literally says everybody next round, you're just going to lose half your ingredients. And yeah. it's kind of like, I get how like that's frustrating, but also fun. But like, I, I enjoy more the ones where it's like no talking this next round mm-hmm. or no like pointing or no shouting or like you have to speak in food puns. Like, you know, that though, I think those would be kind of more fun where it makes you physically interact. With uh-huh. the game. What's interesting too is so every restaurant in rival restaurants has like, as you're going up, because basically the concept is you're preparing food, you get likes, social media likes mm-hmm. or whatever. And that's, you know, upping the, um, the reputation of your restaurant. And um, there's three different like brackets you can move into where you get like a bonus when you get there. And um, a lot of times there'll be something like everything is $100 cheaper or um, you get to collect an extra $100 every round or something like that. Um, But this new one, they had a lot more where it was, it's a little take that. It kind of depends. It was, you know, you can um, steal something from the other chefs or the other chefs yeah. have to pay you. There was a lot more of that happening in these ones. There was also a lot more that had to do with specific ingredients. Um, the Greek mm-hmm. restaurant is very highly dependent on the um, secret, sauce. secret sauce. And one of the other ones was very highly dependent on wine, yeah, the, the Jamaican Greek, one. Oh, the J- Jamaican one, yeah. Well, I noticed this. First of all, let's just go quickly through the uh, new uh, countries of origin. Uh-huh. You have British, mm-hmm. you have Greek, you yes. have German, German, Jamaican, um, Indian, Indian, Peruvian. Peruvian. Um, they do have uh, a few new chefs as well that we're missing. Mm-hmm. Like, I know they have a Vietnamese chef. They had a Vietnamese restaurant before, but not a Vietnamese chef. But... Most of the focus for this expansion, and this really struck me, is they clearly wanted to put more focus on the Mystery Mart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Mystery Mart is this market. Okay, so for those who haven't played Rival Restaurants, imagine you have like a grocery store with like different sections. You have your fruit section, you have your vegetable section, your meat section, your dairy section, what they call carbs, you know, it's mm-hmm. so like bread, potatoes, noodles, rice. And then you have the Mystery Mart. In the Mystery Mart are some like the more unique items, such as chocolate, which you could sell for a lot, or some recipes do call for it. Mm-hmm. You have wine, which if you serve with a gourmet recipe, you get an extra like. Yeah. Or um, secret sauce, which if you serve with the basic recipe, gets you an extra like. And then you have the alien goo, which is pretty much a wild card for any that you can substitute. You yeah. yeah. There's also tofu is there too. And tofu, which can be used instead of meat. Right? Yeah. Which I like that idea. Mm-hmm. I wish that tofu was more in the actual chop shop, but yeah. or somewhere else. But somewhere still. else, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, but the problem with the mystery mart is that everything there is god awful expensive for this game. Yeah. Because one item from there costs three hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and if you don't ever buy any of the currency upgrades that's your entire payday for that day yeah and it's just you unless you specifically need chocolate or tofu which some some of the recipes do call mm-hmm. for those specifically um you know do i want to pay 300 dollars for alien goo or do i just want to pay 300 dollars and go through the stack and possibly find it yeah because if i like really need bell peppers mm-hmm. and they're not there showing up do i want to pay 300 dollars from alien goo that i know will act as a wild card or do I want to go to the you know fruit stand where bell peppers are going to be, pay three hundred dollars and get three random cards off the top? 
hoping that one of them is probably going to be bell peppers and then I'll have two more cards for my next recipe coming up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that might be useful to me in the in the future. Yeah, so at least in our game and how we play, it is super rare and almost surprising if anyone goes to the mystery mark. Yeah. So this time around, they really decided to put more focus on there. So like the Jamaican one, you really want wine. The Greek one, especially, you really want that secret sauce. If yeah. you don't have it, then you're not using your power ups. Uh huh. And I, I did notice too. I think some more of the new recipes call for some of the mystery ingredients. They do. They so they really want to put emphasis on like we want. We're noticing that we have these great ideas over here, but players aren't using it. Mm-hmm. How can we f- almost corral them? Yeah. To go that way, which I get. You know, they found a weakness and they're trying to strengthen it. Mm-hmm. It's just still. The way that we play the game, especially since normally just you and I playing, yeah, playing with take that characters kind of stinks. Yeah, exactly. It's it's better if you have a large group of people because then you're not. It's not like one person just constantly messing up the other person's game. You know. Yeah. Because I I just picked a character at random and it was the German woman whose Uh name whose punny name I can't remember right now like Hilda Blitzkrieg or something like that. (laughs) Her thing is that whenever she happens to go to the same market as another uh, chef, they have to give her a random ingredient mm-hmm. from on the table in front of them. And that happened to you like two or three times. At the beginning of the game. Yeah, and it's like, I didn't do it on purpose. Like, I needed to go to the meat market. You also need to go to the meat market. Uh-huh. And like, you know, not to like call you out for it or anything, but like you were getting upset with it very quickly. And I could tell it's because like you were the only one being hit by that. Mm-hmm. And your special up didn't affect me. Yeah. Your special power up or whatever it was only like benefited you Mm -hmm. but like didn't hurt someone else and i can see how in a game with like four or more people also the expansion ups the player count to six yeah from four to six Uh, but i can see how that would be frustrating you know so whenever we play this game just the two of us we usually try to purposely take out those take that restaurants and chefs also, we usually don't play with the not the event, the, the action, action cards, cards because yeah. those typically um, have a kind of take that quality. Yeah, well, and I think when there's more people, it, those take that's it 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 helps because you're all competing for resources more, mm-hmm. so it helps slow other people down and keep them from competing with for the same resources. But when there's two, there's not quite as much competition for the resources. Yeah. Every now and then, we both want the same thing. But very infrequently do we want the same. Mm-hmm. And if we do do that, then we do the typical thing the game says that like a bidding war. Well, I'm willing to pay 300 for this. Yeah. Okay, then you can you can overbuy. That's fine. <laughs> you know? But overall, I do enjoy the creativity of these games. Like the, yeah. the restaurant art is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I want to have a meal at every single one of them. Yeah, I love yeah. I love the fun puns. I love um cooking the new dishes just seeing new dishes was fun also what's fun is discovering new dishes yeah there's a few okay especially like based upon your experiences you're most likely to be like what is that dish i've never heard of this before uh-huh. and so i a couple times i looked up on my phone like oh wow that's what it looks like in real life and that actually looks kind of good yeah. <laughs> especially for me the peruvian ones uh-huh. i didn't know many peruvian dishes off the top of my head but now i kind of want to see is there such a thing as a peruvian restaurant nearby and can we go try it yeah <laughs> Um, but I would say overall, I'm you know I'm really happy with the um, the expansion. It creates a lot more new fun ways to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, we also because we did the Kickstarter, um, I got some of the upgraded components. Um, I will say the card sleeves great because they protect your cards, but they do make the cards super slippery and hard to stack. And because it's a 
big pile of little cards, they will slide easily. Yeah. So actually, we might have to consider taking those off. Yeah, but I do like the um, the upgraded money tokens and the upgraded trash tokens. Okay, here's what I'm going to differ from you. I don't. Really? Because the upgraded money tokens, they can stick together. Well, they're sticking together because they're new. But the upgraded trash tokens lose detail. Because the upgraded trash tokens, the trash token typically looks like a little black, you know, trash bag with uh-huh. banana next to it. The original one that's like cardboard that's printed on, you can see the folds of the trash bag mm-hmm. and like you can almost like see like the little smell lines come off it. This one, it's just a black blob with a banana next to it. Like you can't, like you lose the detail in the middle because it's also partly translucent, uh-huh. you know, for like the clear, like the hard plastic chip. So like you can't really, if you didn't know that was a trash bag, like to begin with, you may not know it's a trash bag now. Mm. So like as much as I like the upgraded quality of the material, I like the look of the original stock version better. Mm-hmm. The money I can go either way on, but the trash bag, I'm like, oh, can we go back to the regular trash bag? <laughs> So picky. I know. I'm, I'm a very picky boy. What can I say? So that was Rival Restaurant back for seconds. Mm-hmm. And now, here's a message from our friends at From Afar Podcast. Adventure, laughter, and a complete disregard for the rules. From Afar Podcast is a Dungeons & Dragons 5e actual play podcast with a focus on role play, making goofs, and storytelling. Join us aboard the Sea Monster for hijinks on the high seas as a diverse party searches for the fabled lost city of Atlantis. Find us on all major podcast platforms and on social media at From Afar Podcast. Come aboard the Sea Monster and join these four friends separated by distance but brought together through adventure. Greg, let's talk about some escape rooms. Let's talk about some ridiculous escape rooms with our (laughs) escape room report. We're back to Miss Jezebel's apartment again. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, so we, when we did the original uh, Miss Jezebel uh, virtually, we noticed that um, there's a part two to Miss Je- Jezebel called mm-hmm. Orion's Ridiculous Revenge. And we meet Orion in the first Miss Jezebel. Mm-hmm. Orion is uh, Miss Jezebel's cat who has, according to Miss Jezebel, um, encountered a terrible house fire at some point. Mm. Of course, how much you can trust what Miss Jezebel says is, is suspect. Suspect, best. yes. Yeah. Um, but Orion's a very um, scary-looking cat. Like they must have got this thing from like a Halloween store or something. This cat yeah, is terrifying it's terrifying. Looking. It's got like these green demonic eyes, like sharp fang teeth. No, hardly any hair. Hardly any hair. Like what looks like yeah, burned healing skin all over. Yeah, it's pretty it's, gross. But it's an amazing puppet, you know. Uh-huh. Like, honestly, if I was in the same room as it, I would have freaked out just a little bit. I'd yeah. be like, "Nope, you get that away from me." <laughs> um, so this one is played a little bit different than the other one. Um, what they've done here, it's kind of smart, and it also, I should say, costs a little bit less than their other rooms mm-hmm. do. Um, is this game? It doesn't. It's more of a point and click. Um, you're not playing through like an avatar in a room with the actor. Yeah. Um, like you were with Miss Jezebel. Um, you are kind of brought, uh, taken in by, you go onto Zoom and the Game Master meets you and he directs you to this other website that is made up of sort of puzzles and videos that you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea is that Miss Jezebel has a new boyfriend who is just after her money. 
Right. And he has convinced Miss Jezebel that she should put down her cat. And so they've put the cat in a carrier and are going to take him to the vet. And you, playing as Orion, needs to escape. So you're essentially hearing Orion's voice, like narrating as though you are him. Um, and you're hearing his inner thoughts, I guess you could say. And then you're trying to first escape the cat carrier and then do some other things along the way in the apartment. Right. And it's genius how they frame this because, you know, with the first Miss Jezebel, we were the tech support for this undercover officer. And here, Orion keeps referring to us as his bad thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> so we are just voices in his head, uh -huh. you know, which is amazing. And what's great about this is, like, for instance, when we joined the Zoom call, they actually were running two of these at once. Mm -hmm. So basically, the, the Game Master, he brings everyone in, explains what they're doing, then separates them into their own Zoom room so that we can still hear and see the members of our team and then we're directed to this external website that's kind of our dashboard where we're going through and the the dashboard's cool too because you can see the other players cursors mm -hmm. so we can kind of tell what everyone's doing like you know and i don't know whose color is necessarily what but i can tell that someone's interacting with the fish bones mm -hmm. while i'm interacting with the tuna can yeah kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, it's nice because, like, there's no overhead because they're not using one of their rooms for this. They're not having to use their actor for this. Everything's kind of pre-done. Mm, so technically, they could run almost infinite number of these things simultaneously. Yeah, and basically, the game master there is just to kind of help for maybe tech support or if you get stuck. Yeah, and I just... I'm, the framing of it, I, I'm still caught up in, like, how genius it is, you know? Yeah. Like, that we... Because... Escape rooms have had to adapt a lot in the past year. Yeah, exactly. And like really try to rethink the narrative. Because mm -hmm. one of the things that people do escape rooms for, especially those who have done many of them, is not just the puzzles, but the story that's being told. Why yeah. am I doing this? You know, like we've said many times we can only escape from a serial killer's clutches. So How many, many times. times before it yeah. just becomes passe and boring. Yeah, in fact, we even say that a lot of times the best escape rooms, the, the point of the room is not to escape. There's right. something else that you're doing. Yeah, and even in this case, it's not to necessarily escape. It's to prevent your own murder. Yeah, yeah. And like we said, initially the idea is Orion is trying to escape the carrier and not be, you know, take, taken to be euthanized. But then the game kind of changes and he comes up with new goals like that a revenge he wants to plot. do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Where he wants and to get revenge on this guy. The, the revenge, I mean, I can't even recall too much because it was just so crazy. It's ridiculous. But like it when is, they call it Orion's Ridiculous Revenge, it is very ridiculous. It is very, yeah. Like um, it reminded me actually of this game I used to play on like Windows 95 called Eric the Unready, mm -hmm. where like you would have like all these ridiculous things in front of you, like an in inventory, like I have a steak, like an actual yeah. like, you know, T-bone steak. And you would take that to kill a vampire because you put the steak through its heart. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like that where like, he has some plan of like, I'm going to set up like a kamikaze chicken mm -hmm. or, or duck or something yeah. like that. And it's just, what, what yeah. how is this going to work? <laughs> but like when the whole thing kind of pulls together, mm -hmm. it's glorious. And even though like, and what's great is that like along the way, he, there's a couple like, oh no, oh, this is different. I had to re-improvise, you know? Mm -hmm. So the puzzles are really fun. Yeah. And the setup is really genius too, where essentially... Each puzzle, it's its own little page. Uh -huh. It maybe has like sub pages to it or like sub links yeah. you can click. 
but essentially they say designate one person in the group to be the like password master mm-hmm. because and that was me in this case and so whenever we thought we had the password i can go type it into the bottom and that's me inputting the code yeah to be like did i solve the puzzle that then takes us into the next mm-hmm. little room or page essentially and all the words for like the puzzles do fit the theme yeah you know, like i forget what they all are, but one of them is definitely the word moist. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, that fits and the theme. There's a lot of ones too where there, there was this one whole like puzzle that we went through where all of the answers like sound like they could be dirty but aren't. You know? Yeah, yeah, and... yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. lot of double or even triple entendres. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and you know, throughout you're getting these little kind of you'll solve some puzzles and then a video will pop up with Miss Jezebel and the actors doing something mm. and so like you're getting a little bit more of the plot and then it will go back to puzzles or whatever. So although you're not like directly interacting with Miss Jezebel in this one like you are with the other one, you still do get some of the actor and some of that benefit of it as well. And I love the fact that he had Orion has a plan, like a checklist mm-hmm. plan. And as you go through the puzzles, he checks off things off the list. I love a checklist. <laughs> Checklists are amazing. This one also does require you to think outside the game's box. Because there was times when we had to directly text photos to a number on our phone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You do some, like, there's actually some real world interaction that you end up doing. And so, like, I don't know. It was probably just the game master, not Miss Jezebel herself. Mm-hmm. But, like, she was replying as Miss Jezebel. Like, oh, darling, look at that photo. Mm, that's, <laughs> that's scrumptious, isn't it? Yeah, and then what's fun is they use the pictures that you text as your, like, team photo at the end. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cute. So, like, at one point, yeah, it was, like... Um, you know, you have to take six photos of your group. Bonus points if you take a photo of someone who's not in your group. Bonus points if some of you get on a weird costume or do something. I think a one was outrageous. if you if you make a tinfoil hat. And... Yeah. <laughs> and so like I mean like darted out of the room like I gotta go find somebody who's not. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it, it was a lot of fun. I like the main thing I give it credit for is like the creativity and the way that you know because like you said escape rooms are having to adapt Mm -hmm. and having to find different ways to still entertain people. And this was kind of a a genius way where they can still give an escape room like experience. um, But without the overhead of, you know, running an actual room, they can still give a Miss Jezebel experience without having to take away from the actual Miss Jezebel room. Right. You know, because they can, you know, you wouldn't want them to close Miss Jezebel so she could be there to do this, you know? Exactly. Um, I would, I would say though, I, you know, if you can only do one, do Miss Jezebel first mm. for sure. Don't jump in on Orion. You could, but I wouldn't recommend it. No, I agree. Um, I think Orion also, there's too much that's implied knowledge from Miss Jezebel. That if you just jump into Orion first, you'd be like, wait, what? Yeah. I mean, not to where you need it actually for the puzzles, but just it's not going to make as much sense. And also there's direct references and even kind of spoilers in Orion's about like, oh, this thing opens or oh, that that thing is there, you Mm -hmm. know? So like, you kind of don't want that. Yeah. The one thing that is good about this format though, because like you said, it's not so much a live stream. It's more like video clips that they previously recorded that uh-huh. then you access and activate. Is when you're in an escape room, you always have the time limit. Mm-hmm. Typically it's an hour. Sometimes it's less. I'm looking at you, the basement. <laughs> you yeah, know. you and your 45 minutes. Right. But typically it's an hour. So you always do have the pressure of like, I have to get going. We've mm-hmm. been on this one thing for five minutes and we haven't made any progress. Yeah. But the problem that's kind of been unspoken thus far, at least between you and me on this podcast, with the new versions, is 
when you're doing an avatar through remote play, uh-huh. there's kind of the social pressure of like, oh, this person thinks I'm dumb. I'm not doing True. this quickly enough. Yeah. Like he or she is just standing there going like, come on, why don't you get this? You mm-hmm. know, like I've done this a hundred times. Like yeah. it's clearly right there. But with this, because there is no live person uh-huh. right there, it is just like web pages, like very interactive web pages. Yeah. Like at one point we had to like click on like pictures and move them around in the picture to line them up. Uh-huh. Almost like doing a digital jigsaw puzzle in a yeah. way. But like there's no person there that's directly kind of quote looking over your shoulder mm-hmm. going like Ugh. Yeah. You know, like and not that we've ever had an actor who did that. Don't, yeah, don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah. But just I can understand a different perspective of someone who maybe has higher social anxiety mm-hmm. of like, oh, they're judging me. Yeah, well, and also like you do feel, yeah, you feel that pressure to also maybe you can't be yourself with your group like you would be in yeah. a normal escape room. Not to say in a normal escape room, you know, the the game masters should be watching to make sure you're not doing anything bad. But um, but yeah, you, you can be a little bit more free when you don't have like that other person. You know, we, for example, we did a really terrible room once and if you go back into our back catalog of episodes, you can find it where the room didn't work and it didn't work oh, yeah, to yeah, an yeah. extent where the act, where the game master had to just come and physically be in the and room just stand in the corner like one of those British guards who doesn't smile. Yeah. And it was very awkward and we didn't like it at all. No. Um, and so that, you know, that can also kind of be that weird, you know, oh, we have this other person, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's kind of fun. Like in the first Miss Jezebel, what makes it more fun is that he is also an actor kind of so he's also interacting with you in character more so than like the other room where you did where he's literally just kind of a an avatar that does whatever you, you tell him to right um so like that's more fun because we also built up a rapport with the actor mm-hmm. and we're making jokes and like making him do stupid stuff but like imagine if you were in miss jezebel's room yourself in person mm-hmm. and she is standing in front of you going well what's your answer dear and yeah you're, like, and you're like drawing um, a blank um, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I wonder, I mean, granted, the actor who plays Miss Jezebel is a fantabulous, uh, and that's a word, um, <laughs> improviser. Uh-huh. So yeah, like, I'm sure. sure that she could help you yeah. along the way. Like, and I'm like, sure she's... Did you want tea? Yeah, you know, and like, I'm sure she's dealt with many different situations. But, like, still, I can imagine, like, like I said, someone with high social anxiety like, who thought that this was something different and uh-huh. like, kind of freaking out a little bit, yeah. you know? And, like, maybe even paralyzing. But Orion's Ridiculous Revenge is set up in a way where that's removed. Mm-hmm. And that's nice. Yeah. You, know, you can still get kind of, like, the Jezebel Universe experience mm-hmm. without, like, that kind of immediate pressure, which yeah. I, I appreciate it. You know? Yeah. And I, I would say it's because of the way they set it up, you know, could they just make this be a complete dashboard game that you just pay to download, like the, um, the Escape does? Yeah. They you they could, um, but like the way they did it, because we all get on this Zoom call with each other and do it, it did feel more like a, in, you know, we were all involved right. and stuff like that. Um, so you, we still got that same kind of teamwork escape room experience. Yeah, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that uh, is kind of unique to our experience that I appreciated was because there was another team going on there. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, we got done pretty quick and we we're like mm-hmm. how far is the other team he goes oh they're still on the fishbone puzzle we're like wow like they're still <laughs> yeah. on the fishbone puzzle what's going on with you you know <laughs> 
Um, so like the like its predecessor, Miss Jezebel, this is one that books out really fast. Very fast. Um, so in fact, like they only have a couple times left today and then they're completely booked for the rest of the week until Saturday. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend, you know, I, I would recommend do Miss Jezebel first if possible. Right. Um, but I would, you know, this is a good dessert to that. Yeah, and I mean, I hope that they continue with more Miss Jezebel universe because that's a character I'm never going to get sick of. Right, I could I could use a lot more of her or things like her. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that does it for this little um, virtual escape room we did. It, it's kind of a, a mini escape room report, but it was also kind of a, a mini game. Um, I would also say it's not a super challenging game, but not like super easy at the same time, right. you know? Like we kind of breeze through it, I think. But as we said, the other team wasn't quite there you know Mm -hmm. they were a little bit behind us um i mean we we couldn't see the other team really but (laughs) but then again we had the power of darkness on our sides because we had to choose our team names they chose team sock puppet and i chose for us team voldemort (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then we got into a big conversation if if it's voldemort tie or voldemort's I think, once again, our friends at 60 Out always deliver something. Right. So I was happy to be able to go through that experience with them. That that was actually the last game that we had for my free year with them. You yeah. Know, our our go, free year that didn't quite work out. <laughs> well, but, you know, things happened, but we still got lots of fun experiences with them. So I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Mm-hmm. I just want to thank 60 Out for the opportunity. And uh, just reiterate that even though they were technically all prices for me, it didn't affect my opinion on them. No, for sure. In terms sure. of the game, I, I gave my honest opinions this past year about how what I thought of all their rooms. And, you know, as usual, 60 out impresses. Yeah. I think they are top quality, top shelf mm-hmm. uh, game design. And even though some of the rooms might have a little flaw here or there, it's still much better than some of the other stuff we've seen. Um, yeah, and we're, we're really looking forward to... You know, hopefully COVID going away and us being able to go out and back to their rooms in person. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm going to give them a high five once we have all the vaccines in order. <laughs> okay. Well, that does it for this escape room report. Remember, that is 60 out uh, Los Angeles and the room was um, Orion's Ridiculous Revenge. Meow. Okay. But let's talk about what our Friday favorites are. My Friday favorite um, is not going to be a surprise to you mm-hmm. uh, because we've already talked about it so much and I'm so much in love with it. I want to go back for seconds again for Rival Restaurants. <laughs> it is such a fun game. I yeah, really it do, is. I do love it, you know, and there's all sorts of new combinations I want to try. Mm-hmm. Like the Indian restaurant in particular, the like non-palace, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, that one really focuses and rewards you for making vegetarian dishes or mm-hmm. dishes with tofu. Uh, or at least dishes that don't use meat products, yeah. if I remember correctly. And there's certain certain chefs I know that use a power-up like that. Where, like, I think it's uh, Eden, the vegetarian chef. She can substitute, like, veg two veggie options for one meat option. I think that could be a great combo. And I'm looking uh-huh. to dominate with that. So. <laughs> 
Well, my Friday favorite is also kind of food related. Mm -hmm. This is a game we talked about um, in our last episode. And in our last episode, if you were listening, you may have heard um, Greg mention that he had, as we were talking, was looking on his phone for the uh, expansion for. He bought it and we got it. Uh, (laughs) We are one of the proud owners of the few expansions to Burger Up. (laughs) Burger Up Globetrotter. Yeah. I literally went online. On all the different sites I could possibly find, there was only one copy left in the entire of the internet. And I <laughs> bought it. So if you're looking for Burger Up Globetrotter and wondering why aren't there any more available, because I took it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it just continues to be a really fun game. We um, did finally have a game night with um, some friends who we hadn't seen in a very long time. And we took it over and introduced it to them and showed them the both um frustration and fun that comes with that game because it is so deceivingly simple and can become so difficult so quickly you really have to bend your mind in a certain way to mm-hmm. like understand how like oh but if i play this if i play lettuce the way this card is with lettuce and bottom ketchup on top i play lettuce now but a sauce has to come next because you're like oh i played lettuce and then sauce oh Oh, darn, it doesn't work that way. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it. I always tell people to um, don't think about making a tasty burger. I kept trying to do that for a long time. You and were? It doesn't. When we very first started playing it. Well, I was like, but that's not, this would, oh, this would be such, and I'll put avocado on it and I'll put, and I'm like, this isn't working. Like, this isn't how you win this game. Well, <laughs> tell them about why I can't do that in real life. Oh, yeah. Greg can't do any of the um, build your own kind of places because he will just put all sorts of stuff on it that does not go together and it would be very sorry. There, there was a burger place, literally, I think it was called Burger Boss that we went to, uh-huh. where you do that. It's like you can build your own hamburger and they don't have any preset things. And so I put a whole bunch of stuff that I like, like, oh, I like pineapple on my hamburger. Oh, I like mustard. Oh, I like... <laughs> and so I built this weird thing and they're like, okay. And they put it all on there. And I ate it. Because I eat my mistakes, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a great, you know. <laughs> so now whenever there's a build your own thing, especially like a pizza place, uh-huh. you will be like, I want this, this, and that. And I'll be like, I'll have the the number five, please. Yeah. Thank you. I, I don't want to do this myself. And they'll ask me like, is this okay? I'm like, I want it as it says. Yeah, I want it exactly what That's it says. That's what I picked. Or in a recent trip, um, I did the build it for you. Because what you wanted, they didn't exactly. You wanted a kind of like a Hawaiian pizza, and they yes, have a Hawaiian I put pizza pineapple out. and stuff. Come at me. <laughs> so I used the build it your own to make you a Hawaiian pizza. I made you a spicy Hawaiian pizza. It was I good. Know you like spice. But if I had done that, oh yeah. boy, <laughs> I would have put like beets on there. You know. <laughs> Uh, Well, I think that does it for this episode. Um, Music for this episode is Mega Rust by Toy Musicom. You can find us anywhere podcasts are available. However, rates and reviews on iTunes are appreciated as it helps new listeners find our podcast. We can be found at Game Friday on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Come talk games with us. Thanks for listening and goodbye.